Welcome everybody to Nerd Your Enthusiasm. This episode, if you have not watched The Mandalorian, get the fuck out. Get out of here. I love you, but you must go watch The Mandalorian before listening to this episode. Unless, of course, you don't care about Star Wars, in which case, why are you listening? Um, <laughs> me and Peyton and Nick and Steve today are going to be talking about all things Mandalorian. The season was great. I enjoyed it. Maybe some people have some some other things to say about it as well, but that's why we're here. Uh, we're going to be giving little recaps about each episode, what we thought about it. We're going to spend most of our time on the back end of the season, as that was the more meat of the season, in my opinion. And so, yeah, uh, let's get this thing started. How's it going, everybody? Good. Doing fucking fantastic. Fantastic. Star Wars is saved. <laughs> <laughs> And John yeah, the king. hey, the man, the man brought brought Marvel into good graces, uh, and now he's bringing. Well, Star Wars was in. Yeah, he's bringing it back to the fold. I feel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's okay. like, well, you gave me a broken puzzle. Let me use this uh, this glue here. Here we go. Fancy it up. Yeah. So, um, let's dive right into it. So this season started off. Uh, you know, we have we have Baby Yoda and we have Mando, and they're walking to this to this like undescript planet, and he's trying to find the Jedi. That's his that's his goal. But he's trying to find people that can lead him there, so he has to find his own people that may know where the Jedi are. And he goes to this like fighting pit. It's like a boxing ring with two Grimorian guards with their axes fighting. And essentially, long story short. No one really walks out of there alive, um, except for one guy, who apparently was voiced by John Leguizamo, the the one eyed guy, and yeah, the Cyclops. Yeah, and uh, and so we start our we start our quest, as it were. Um, he he has to go back to Moss Eisley because he's like, where where are these where's the Mandalorian you know of? You told me you tell me, and he's like, well, it's back back on Tatooine. And he's like, what? I've been on Tatooine last season went to Tatooine there was an assassin and he's like what the hell what's this deal about a another Mandalorian so he goes over Tatooine has to go to Mos Eisley gets directed to this place called Mos Pelgo it's a little stretch of dirt in the middle of the desert with a few buildings and there we are um yeah I think this is an okay episode it introduces you to the whole I think the part part the main point of the episode was a to introduce you a little bit more lore of the universe with the crate dragon. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, Timothy Oliphant also did a pretty good. Oh job. yeah, for sure. I like I liked him. Yeah, I don't know how you guys <clears throat> felt, but I felt that was a play out of uh, Kotor's uh, star map uh, mission on Tatooine. Oh yeah, definitely with the crate dragon and stuff. That was yeah, a I thought that was a, that. I thought that was a like a significant nod to uh the way kotor did that and we played kotor and or we talked about kotor in a previous episode so no need to be a dead horse on that but right i mean i I like that episode too because it was like the first one of the first times that you get to actually see boba fett's like rocket launcher in effect oh yeah that's a good point that is a fair point yeah uh man Man, good stuff to say about that. I, I also kind of am in really intrigued by the fact that we're getting more and more like live action 
Tusken Raider kind of uh, interactions. Yeah, I, you know, right? I didn't even realize, like, is it is it common for Mandalorians to be able to speak to Tusken Raiders? Or is it just that is his deal? It's not, it's not, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nate, but it's not like it's mutually exclusive or anything. You can communicate with Tusken Raiders, uh, like, droids can actually speak their language. Well... Yeah, like yeah, this is kind of like new territory as far as with like a whole language thing. But it seems kind of like uh, what is it? Pedro Pascal's character is just like he's he's like fluent in it. I don't think Mandalorians alone, like you know, right? Talk okay. To him and stuff. I right, didn't know right. if it's something they teach you as a, a foundling or not. It's, it's a neat thing lore. that they introduce some like like uh, I guess ASL for Star Wars. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so, just to kind of talk briefly about this episode crate dragon's a great introduction there it's mainly for the armor you come here for the armor and so that he, he once he realizes Cobb vanth who is played by timothy oliphant um he's like nah you can't have this armor you're not an actual mandalorian you just found this from some jawas you have to give yeah. it back to me so right that's the reason they have to go kill the crate dragon boom bam they kill the crate dragon i thought for a very split second that mando may have died and then it was just gonna switch over to Cobb Vanth. i was like what but no that's <laughs> like you're gonna give me timothy oliphant okay for the is rest that gonna- of the season yeah <laughs> it's now space deadwood yeah <laughs> i'm just a man trying to make my way in the galaxy which kind of leads to my uh next thing near so um mando gets his armor gets it's boba fett's armor to be specific and it's like okay where are we going from here bando takes off on the speeder bike and we see someone in robes turns around and it's just a man trying to make his way in the galaxy once again it's boba, boba fett. fett himself oh mm-hmm. my god dude i was screaming like, that, yeah. was the high, that was the high. I mean, that was a way to start out a season. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Came out guns blazing, dude. And there was theories after that episode aired what like might be happening next. Like, well, when when are they going to bring him back? It's going to be the next episode, or not? And it was not. But when they did, they did, and they waited a good time to do it. You know, three episodes was it? Yeah. Uh, rough, I think roughly. so. Right after you know, like three, or, three or four, I think. Right after it was, it was definitely a comfortable amount of time for to let that hype build up. Yeah, actually, three. There's the Eris siege, and then Jedi, and then the tragedy, which is where yeah. you get his reveal. Um, yeah. All right, episode. Um, I liked it. What a good way to good way to start off this. Uh, Absolutely. And and he gets and he learns. Um, he has to. He resumes his journey to Trask. I don't remember why he goes to Trask in particular. I think I think at that point he's still just looking for other Mandalorians to try to help him out. Right. Yeah. Um, he hasn't gotten like his full instructions yet until later on. Oh, that's right. He goes back. Okay, so let's just... Did you have any other thoughts, Steven? I don't think you spoke about no, this. No, no. The first one was fairly simple enough in terms of plot. Um, okay. Like others mentioned, you know, the big reveal that Boba Fett is still alive was like the highlight as well as the Crate Dragon with the clear reference to culture. Um, I'm just pining for a culture series at this point, but I would rather they do it right in the long term. Give it to Fav. Yeah, definitely. All right. 
moving along, we have the next episode, which literally takes, like, right after this episode ends. Mando shows up at the spaceport. And... He he's asked by that lady with the droids that fixes up his uh, his little old razor crest to uh, to do a transport mission, but he can't use hyperspace. So of course now we have a side quest with a stipulation. It's like a it's like one of those uh, <laughs> stealth missions, or it's not really a stealth mission, but it's comparable to a mission where you have a stipulation that you cannot break. Otherwise, he's basically, he's basically a stork, is what he's right. What he's, <laughs> the Razor Crest is a stork. Yeah. And so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this episode actually was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Wait, no, written, written by Bryce Dallas Howard. Am I correct? What was that? Bryce Dallas Howard was involved in. Oh wait, that was the, that's the next one. Sorry, Peyton Reed. Yeah. Peyton Reed was involved in this one. Um, and. Uh, um, Short little episode. Uh, I think it has a few highlights. Um, we now learned that little baby. Well, we, he ate a frog before. Little yeah, baby Yoda. I, I, honestly, I only have one comment, and then I take a back seat on this. <laughs> baby Yoda is a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> that never deterred me from ever backing him whatsoever. That, that dude is a baby killer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. you guys can take the reins for the rest of this commentary. so yeah because you learn in a few episodes from now he understands everything that's going on he's not just you know non like not super knowledgeable and can't speak like the language yeah, he, no he, he, he knows what he's that, doing he can't play that innocent card anymore. he's like what i was that. just eating this ba- you knew we were transporting this lady's eggs she has many of them yeah okay you little savage starts eating her eggs like seriously he and was it's like, it was like at a sushi dude, bar he was dude, just was, <laughs> dude was so savage that he actually stockpiled one away for the end of the episode <laughs> eat anyway <laughs> disgusting oh man yeah so yeah this this episode's essentially introducing a few things um a new terrifying creature which essentially so they crash land on a planet because Mando gets stopped by some X-Wing cops and he's like, you know, license and registration. He's like, nah. And <laughs> and he goes down to this like ice planet. Kind of looks like Hoth, but definitely isn't. Um, and essentially crash lands right on the planet. He's like, okay, well, at least we're okay. And then the freaking starship falls down to this pit and he has to figure out a way to repair it and get the hell out. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway from this, and I wonder if you guys are sa- or have the same amount of curiosity, but is this a potential tie-in to that New Republic uh, series coming out? See, that's what I was just about to make a joke about. When you said okay. X-Wing cops, I was like, I totally want a lethal weapon style X-Wing cop show now. <laughs> I, I, and, I'm actually curious if that's what we're getting there. Well, I think so, because like with Cara Dune's character, she's supposed to be the lead in that new one, the like Rangers of the Republic or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's called. That's right. She could yeah. be like police chief and you have just a bunch of, you know, newbies going around like policing the galaxy and stuff. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a really interesting take on how they approach that one. Yeah, the long and the short of it is they kind of moving a little bit further in the episode. Um, 
What was the name of that new new series coming out, by the way? Rangers of the New Republic. Rangers of the New Republic. Okay. I yeah. Thought, and then the Bad Batch is is essentially Clone Wars, but it takes place after with Rex and. Yeah. No. That's a yeah. That's a group of characters that they just revealed in the last uh, season of the Clone Wars. So this okay. is like the this is like the sequel runoff to okay. that. Okay. So. All right. And then, yep, Crash Lands. Essentially, at that point, the frog lady goes to this hot spring where she's going to, you know, birth the rest of her babies and create more food for, you know, uh, little baby Yoda. And baby Yoda, it, Mandalorian's playing like, God damn it, kid, stop trying to eat these damn <laughs> eggs. No, stop. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, fine. I won't eat these eggs. Okay. I'm gonna. Oh, what's this little thing? Oh, I just, splits open like a goddamn alien egg, and I'm like, no. Yeah, that's what oh, I was thinking. I was like, Rid- oh no. Yeah. Ridley Clear Scott vibes. directed by Ridley yeah. Scott. Ridley Scott vibes coming in hot. And so the baby Yoda opens this egg up, and it's a goddamn little spider thing. I don't know if these creatures actually have names. Uh, probably somewhere in the lore there must be. Cracks one open, eats one egg. And then a few of them start opening up, just like aliens. And then it goes from, okay, hot times at the spring spa, to, oh, where's the fire? We need all the fire, because there's so god many goddamn spiders I everywhere. Found it. I actually found it. It's K-R-Y-K-N-A. Have fun trying to pronounce that. Krikna? Krikna or something? Sure, whatever, whatever. Essentially. Because those are original concept drawings from uh ralph mccrary who was one of the original artists that like basically created what star wars looked like and i think that the they were supposed to be used in the dagobah scenes in empire strikes back mm, i, I could totally see them being on that planet they that, um that's a fuck that noise kind of attitude for me. <laughs> yeah. but they uh i think george lucas pulled him because he was like we don't have time or money to make something like that out of like practical effects it appears that they've actually made an appearance in rebels oh did they i can't uh, remember I'm, I'm seeing a source for rebels right now maybe they huh. were mentioned and they they look as big in the show there as they did in the uh, Mandalorian. Hmm. Yeah, because it's not just the little ones in the eggs. There's just one that's right. like as big as the Razor Crest itself that tries to just like, like, big straight out of the mist and uh, <laughs> seriously, and it's just comes and just tries to eat. And, and oh yeah, by the way, they get inside the Razor Crest. I forgot about that part. Mm-hmm. Where essentially he just uses flamethrower, which I was like, finally, why was this never a good idea? <laughs> and he's essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you just have to burn the whole thing down now. Yeah, it's he's like, he's planet. like, it's all burned, and then he comes. But then the uh, the X Wing cops show up eventually because they're like, oh, that's where he is, and they help him out. They kill the the big one, which essentially, I don't remember how he fixed. Oh yeah, that's right, he doesn't. He flies it out of there, broken in pieces. Yeah, and he goes on to his next place, where he's supposed to deliver the frog lady, and uh, we get our next episode. Interesting little lore episode. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know. I wouldn't say this is a need to watch. Other than, you know, if you're interested in like the strand point between connecting, you know. I feel like it was like it was definitely a filler, just a filler episode, and possibly the tie into a new series, right? Potentially. Yeah. All right. 
moving along, uh, we get the heiress. Um, this is a very important episode. These, this is where I, I find the first episode is like an hour, and then you get these thirty-minute episodes. But they pack these thirty-minute episodes with absolute action going from here on, um, yeah. or absolute plot as well. If it's not action, the heiress. Yeah, at this point on, you could tell like they, they, it wasn't like hey, it has to be a certain time. It's like hey, let's just make sure that everything fits corrective right everything works out perfectly yeah as far as time constraint goes oh yeah yeah i would definitely say i i I would say the pacing of the next like three episodes are pretty well mapped out as far as for the time that they gave each episode Mm -hmm. yeah go ahead matt leave us in the heiress um it's Trask. He finally gets there, and he's like, he barely lands. He, he he has no way of landing on the planet, so he has to like wait to the last second to pump the brakes, and then essentially the friggin' Razor Crest falls right onto the the. Oh wait, it doesn't it doesn't make the um. That's right. It does not make the landing pad. He it, barely, it almost makes it. It almost makes the landing pad, and then crashes right into the ocean, and he has to be brought up by a crane. He's like shit okay do what you can try to fix this i'm gonna go find what i'm gonna go look for so he delivers the frog lady frog lady meets man frog man and um he's he's uh, directed to a local inn and that's just where we see the thing from the trailer which is sasha banks in a cloak and you're like oh shit you know, when you're seeing the trailer, it's like, she going to be the Jedi? What, what is she, she going to be, for some reason, a Sith or some, like, next level type of character? He gets into the, um, he gets sent to this, this pub and essentially talks to, what's the, what's the species of, like, squid people? Uh, Corian? Corians? I, th- is, I think is so. Is that what they're called? Corians? I can I don't know. check on that. You, you do a check I on know that. that the, I know the the one that was Akbar. Those are the, what are they? Corin. The Mon Calamari, I think. Right, yes. right, right, right. Those are the Mon Calamari. Uh, this is actually Q-U-A-R-R-E-N, Corin. Huh, interesting. Interesting. Also, um, <laughs> derogatory nickname Squidheads. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. There you go. That's on the, that's on the Wikipedia. I'm just saying. <laughs> I didn't come up with that. <laughs> and um, and so he has, he's like, you know, meets one of these guys. like, yeah, yeah, me and my guys, we could take you to where these, uh, these uh, you know, Mandalorians are. We know where they are. Takes them out on a freighter. And it's a trap. You know, Archer drop, and um, essentially it's the Kraken scene, kind of, but less so from Pirates of the Caribbean. And they kick, they kick Baby Yoda's little capsule into this like feeding area, and it gets eaten, swallowed whole by a goddamn beast, Leviathan type thing. And it's like, oh shit! And then Mandalorian has to go dive after him. Can't do it because he doesn't have a waterproof suit, and. He's like, shit, I just lost a kid. Then they close this cage over him, and it's all doom and gloom until, of course, more Mandalorians show up, and it's Bo-Katan and her merry band. Um, I didn't know about Bo-Katan prior to this episode. I never watched Rebels. I never watched Clone Wars. Yeah, this is definitely where, if if it wasn't already clear, the Mandalorian's bridging a ton of different media sources such as Clone Wars, Rebels, yada yada. This is where it actually amps up the pace. Yeah. 
This is where uh, Dave Filoni starts making his like massive paychecks. Because <laughs> uh, these are all like these are all characters and stuff that he created with Lucas and stuff when they were working on the Clone Wars, and then he brought them over into Rebels and stuff. So it's really good to see these characters now in the live action sense. Exactly. Yeah. Any thoughts about this one, Steve? Uh, no, not really. I'm anticipating to talk more about the other episodes because okay. those are the ones that really grab me. Okay. This, this is this is very similar to the to the first episode where yeah. it's like it's it's basically a foreshadowing, right? We have Bo-Katan and we have Boba, and it's like you know, just wait for it, just wait for it. It's yeah, you're gonna get some right. stuff. Just you gotta wait. I, I, I will say this boy I was not worried about Yoda being eaten. He or Grogu, he would have he would have re, he would have done a reverse Uno card and eaten that thing from the inside out. <laughs> he, he comes well, up, he just <laughs> I like the foreshadowing they did for that when he's eating out of the bowl. Oh yeah, the, that's right. He eats like the, the squid. little squid the little squid thing like latches oh, onto his face. And uh but also at the end of this too, like he kind of becomes not less of a psychopath uh, when the one little the one little egg hatches and he's like infatuated with the little tadpole in the bowl from oh, like yeah. the the frog couple and stuff. So that kind of shows that like, but telepathic, he's, got, he, he's getting grips with humanity is <laughs> more or less. But telepathic, he's thing- like, I ate your brothers and sisters. <laughs> I think the closing that. point for this is uh, Bo-Katan telling, uh, you know, Mandalorian to uh, seek out Ahsoka. Right. That's that's where it's like, oh fuck. It's yeah, it's okay. gonna become We're real. Gonna, holy it, shit! It, it's like, getting ready. It's there's getting another ready card off. in the playbook. Yeah. This is such a great episode. Uh, because of that, and you, I get introduced to Bo-Katan. This story gets introduced to Bo-Katan, and um, she, and because of course I don't know. Like, I saw the dark saber at the end of last season. I was like, "How does that apply?" Nick told me it applies somehow to rebels, and now I'm like, "Okay." So now I realize what it all means because she's the heiress to, as the chapter says, the heiress to the Mandalorian throne. You need the dark saber to to wield that kind of power, and she's looking for it. And where's Moff Gideon? They get it, and they get uh, they get that cruiser right. That they that they take from the Imperials and it's essentially the heist and boom now they have a, a cruiser. I think so. I mean, they still have that one from the third episode plus what they. No, 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 no. Th- yeah, I'm talking about the one they got in this episode, the third episode. Yeah, yeah, and the one with all the weapons on it and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So they got. I don't. I'm wondering if where they're like parking all of these. Yeah. <laughs> The Mandalorian parking structure. Probably at the same planet, I would imagine, because that's where they come back to them later. Uh, all right. And so um, this next episode, essentially he gets directed to go seek out Bo-Katan, or sorry, Asho- Ahsoka, and, um, but he has uh, a few other things to do prior to getting there. Uh, because he he still doesn't have the need. He gets back to his ship. And he's like, "What? You guys put together this together with nets and shit? What is this <laughs> nonsense?" And so he's like, "I have to go get further repairs." So then he has to take the Razor Crest in the fourth episode back to uh, what the hell is that planet? It's the planet where he initially gets the kid. Um, 
Oh no, not no no. He gets the kid on Mandal. He gets the kid on uh, Tatooine. On, on, on Tatooine, yeah. So, but this is the planet where he takes them back. This yeah, is where he had the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, Navarro. I can't think of the name. Yeah, Navarro. There it is. I think. And uh, this is the planet where he met. Um, what's that director's name? I want Carl, to see Carl the baby. Weathers. No, no, no. I want to see the baby. Oh, uh, oh shit. Werner, Werner, Werner Herzog. Yeah. Yeah, Werner Herzog. This is where yeah. he meets that guy and he gets the whole, you know, the main mission from him. So yeah. he goes back to that planet to see Carl Weathers and Cara Dune. And Carl Weathers' character's Grief Cargo, right? Yeah. And they go back and he's like, okay, I need some serious repairs. And he's like, okay, we can do this for you. And he leaves the Razor Crest to go do another mission uh this mission very important of course because he there's a there's an imperial outpost they don't know too much about it other than it's the last imperial outpost on the planet or at least this part of the planet where they're causing them problems Uh and it'll be like a you know essentially uh a little outpost for them to keep an eye on the you know the imperials to keep an eye on them they don't want it they want to get rid of it so that's what they're gonna go do and as he's leaving, the... go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, all I was gonna say, I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot to unpack in this mm-hmm. episode. It's just an action-packed episode, really. Right. The only thing I would say that, like, to kind of unpack from it is like the reveal of whether or not this is gonna piece together things from the new uh, sequel trilogy, as far as with like the cloning stuff. Oh, oh, that yeah, was, I was gonna ask. One that that was in this episode. Yeah, right. Because I was going to ask you guys what your speculation was in regards to why they wanted the child's blood in the first place. I think, to to be honest, I think it was their like bad batch of uh, no pun intended um, to uh, create force sensitive uh, dark troopers. I had the same inclination at first, but again, with like the ending of this season and other things that we're going to get to and stuff, it does feel kind of like that they're going to try to incorporate, like this could be the start of the first order and stuff, Uh, which I mean, if if they do it right, it could be like, you know, if they make like a good script to do that and stuff, it could be good. Um, But that's a little worrisome for myself. When I saw those tubes of clones, when they get into the bottom of the base, I was like, those look like Snoke to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same yeah. thing from so the the I, the um. What the fuck was the last Star Wars movie? Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Skywalker. I can't remember bad yeah. movies. Sorry. Yeah. Um, like the Rise of Skywalker, yeah. <laughs> and they kind of look like those back to tanks with the other clones that were failed on the <laughs> on that planet, which I will not yeah. even remember the name of. I I honestly. I did like a EU fanboy move and said, those are dark troopers right there, right there. And then I was like, wait, no, it doesn't, it doesn't fit in because it's probably a first order mm-hmm. machination. You know, I mean, you, you have like Imperial officers talking about, you know, bringing order back to the galaxy and stuff uh, like that. And yeah. it's like, all right. I mean, I was like, I was really thinking, you know, they could do it where it's like a genetic programming. They're trying to bring back like Darth Vader or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, hey, at least we weren't all uh, like all the way wrong. There were dark troopers to come. Yes, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, we yes. should move. We weren't, we weren't completely wrong. The net net of this episode is there's clones. They're looking for something called an M count, and they need the baby, the child's blood, to do it. 
We don't know exactly why the clones, maybe they figure out a different version for the clones, but let's move on to the next episode, which is far more important in my opinion. So also they fix up the razor crest. Looks great. Looks perfect. Some excellent dog fighting. Yeah. There, there was some really good repairs done on this ship as we'll talk about later. Um, and so the next episode is the Jedi. This is the meat and potatoes. This is why we came here. Um, one of the reasons we came here, because this episode introduces Ahsoka Tano to this series. And so he goes to this planet um, on planet Corvus. It's this forest planet, right? He lands. It looks dead, devastated. Because, of course, there is a leader there who's ex-Imperial, um, and we find out how much ex-Imperial she is, because she was under the order of Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, Which I'm, I'm so fucking stoked for. Yeah. Dude, dude, me too. Holy fuck. The first, the first, this, 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 this whole episode is all gas, no brakes. Minus a little <laughs> part in the middle where you, she talks to baby Grogu and we find out his name is Grogu and he can understand everything and all that. But the whole episode is like, she, the first five minutes is like complete action assassin Ahsoka Tano killing all these people just slicing no no there's no way they could have escaped <laughs> just absolute murder um, and it teaches you more about how powerful best car steel is because I didn't realize until we got to this episode so essentially Mando lands on the planet he's like okay he goes to this town to figure out what the hell he needs to do and it's under siege the the town's not under siege but the town's under the iron thumb of this warlord lady and she has this best car steel spear comes up with with a with a deal for mando he has to go and kill ahsoka and she'll give him this pure best car steel spear badass weapon Mm -hmm. so he's like okay i'll go find her doesn't say he'll kill her doesn't say he'll kill her but he goes and um, he walks out to this forest area, and well, this dead forest area, and essentially he finds her and she strikes her lightsabers and goes right for the kill. And all he has to say is, "I was sent by Bo-Katan. Please, God, don't kill me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great fight sequence because it was almost like. Like right after he like does the initial like, all right, your your move. She kind of like has a smirk on her face, like, okay, I'm just gonna fucking toy with you now for like the next five minutes. Yeah, and that's where she, you know, where he like ties her up with the grappling cable, and she flips over the tree trunk and turns him into a pinata, kind of. <laughs> yeah, and I, I fucking love that. I didn't realize that Beskar couldn't be pure. Beskar cannot be. Uh, attacked by lightsabers it's just like kind of like medieval ages where you want to hit those those points in the armor you know right uh, that was the whole that was the whole reason they created beskar was during the mandalorian like jedi wars that that happened um that was the whole reason they created that was it was the only thing that could stop a lightsaber which gave them a really good edge yeah really good edge makes more sense uh, to me now and uh, so he f- uh he finds ahsoka 
and he he comes up with the plan. They overpower the guards in this episode, and to you know find that lady because Ahsoka wants to talk to her about something apparently. And there's oh, what was the uh, meat sack? What's those droids from Kotor? The ones meat that sack. the one that calls you meat sack or meat meat bag meat bag, oh, meat bag. yes they they had those they had two of those in this episode um, HK eighty eight was that what those was that those assassin droids droids yeah, mm-hmm. yeah okay they didn't last very long but they were interesting to see and Ahsoka teaches she essentially can't teach him because he has great fear inside of Grogu and so she says you know take him to the seeing stone on this planet and if you if if there's have him reach out to the force and if there's a Jedi he will find him and that's what his next quest says after this one but before that they storm the whole city they capture it Ahsoka has this kick ass battle with this lady with a spear and Ahsoka says, where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? I don't know much about Thrawn other than the fact that he's a badass. Bob, yeah. damn, you actually were right. There are HK-87 droids. But, but there you go. You know, yeah, back, bookmarking that for later. Uh, yeah, Thrawn, Thrawn as a name drop in this is really exciting for me because I would love, love to see a live-action Thrawn. Benedict oh, Cumberbund? I don't. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, different actors that could actually fit the role. Um, it's just the fact that Thrawn is a is an EU character that became canon through, I guess, primarily Rebels, right? Yeah, it was through yeah. Rebels. Yeah, and that that the dude is like the military genius of the Empire, and it would yeah. really be exciting to see Thrawn appearance. Yeah, because like the. The whole thing, and that's what uh, Filoni was talking about. I saw where the episode that we're talking about, the Jedi, correlates in the same timeline as Rebels. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't think they had Ahsoka too much in this season, which I'm glad because it kind of stipulates that, oh, she's off doing other stuff, which could potentially mean that they're going to bring in characters from the Rebels show. Um, yeah. Yeah, which they've already they've already confirmed one of the Mandalorians that's in that show, uh, Sabine Wren, is going to be dropping in somewhere probably within the Ahsoka show that they announced. Um, but yeah, I'm freaking stoked because that was a really good story, um, and it would be dope to see some of those characters in a live action form. This is this is right around the time where Thrawn actually disappears, right? Yeah, him and his fleet, his like... Yeah, uh, he's gone into like the Unknown Realms or something. Yeah, and he's basically just using the ISB, the Imperial Security Bureau, as like their ways of like attacking and holding on to planets that are still... Yeah, and he's, and he's still a loyalist, right? Like he's, he's not splintered at all. <laughs> He's, well, I mean, he's a loyalist, but I mean, he has a splintered group, but it's probably the most intact. Yeah, piece of the they're most consolidated out of all the splinters. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know too much about Thrawn, so that's that's all you guys talk about. Uh, <laughs> I would just I would the recommend watch, watching the Clone Wars and watching Rebels okay. if you haven't. Okay, it, it's it's really the biggest thing to take away is that the Emperor is a xenophobic, and Thrawn managed to secure a place in the Imperial Navy. That was the highest of them all, the the High Admiral and yeah. the Grand Admiral, and I mean, it speaks volumes to to that to say, okay, the Emperor is actually going to let this dude lead, like you know, military, uh, uh, you know, theaters. And so Ron is basically like what Himmler was to Hitler, like he was in control of the SS, the Imperial, like security bureau like he's basically running the show even though that the emperor is like you know grand poobah is basically what that is he's basically uh he ain't playing around kind of character i think he's he's, yeah he plays game i think steve wanted to mention something what were you saying steve no so basically the implication is that thrawn would appear in the ahsoka series oh for sure for sure for sure i'm thinking so yeah okay i think there's a lot of uh dots that haven't been connected with that and that would be a great plot for them to you know tie up yeah Yeah, gotcha so as this episode ends uh the mandalorian is gifted the spear of beskar as as i predicted at the beginning of this episode um that's another badass piece of equipment he definitely will will use later on moving along we get to another meaty episode the tragedy beginning to end great episode where the shit gets real yeah wasn't this the quickest episode i think it was yeah it was like 30 minutes i think like 29 minutes almost some bullet points to note he takes this kid he takes grogu to the ancient temple of tython and places him at the seeing stone he's like what the hell are we supposed to do now and he's like okay well kid do something come on poke 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 (laughs) and and so out of the sky and I stood up at this moment. I was like, what? Oh, Absolutely. fuck. I was like, Absolutely. now, now we get it. And out of the sky, you see Slave One. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Just absolute, like, oh, shit moment. And there's a, a few of them in these next couple episodes. Slave One lands to, uh, as soon as... Um, as soon as Mando turns his back, he's like, "I gotta, stick kids, stay here. I'll be back." He starts doing his like mantra, like chanting, like "Oh, signaling the force," and here we go. Um, Mando goes down this hillside and just immediately blaster fire. I've come for my. I don't. What is it? He says. He's like, "I want." I want my armor. He's like, I'm not going to give you my armor, you have, not your like, armor. You have something of, he says, you oh. have something which is mine. That's right. And then he's like, I'm not going to give you the kid. And he's like, I don't want the kid. I want my armor or something to that effect. I can't, I can't do it justice, but it's Boba Fett and the, um, what's her name? Finnick? Is that her name? Finnick? Yeah, Finnick. Yeah. Uh, Fennig and he is essentially you know created her part of an and she's kind of part android now uh with all of her parts and pieces but he healed her up and she's with him and she has essentially her sights on the little baby and she'll definitely kill him if he doesn't get what he wants and so he's like fine let's go talk so he talks to 
he talks to uh sorry my internet's getting a bit cut out sorry about that uh, he talks You're to boba fett sure. and uh and it's it's he, he's like just give me my armor he and then they have a little back and forth but what do you what do you guys want to say about this episode well, I mean, and then they well, well, just go ahead and continue the real fun part of this episode. The Imperial um, show up, oh. and then Boba goes fucking bam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this That's- is this is why I'm really curious about the Tusken Raider backplot because normally, uh, I think it's pronounced like Gadurfi, whatever, whatever it's called, the the Tusken Raider spear. Oh, like, that's a in real life. It's actually called a gaffy stick. A gaffy stick. Okay, yeah. So, like, in, so from what I understand from Kotor, like you can be rewarded that as a gift. So that makes me curious as he interacted with Tusken Raiders, and that was a gift to him. Um, but regardless of that, regardless of that, dude went in on some freaking hand-to-hand combat, shattering Imperial armor. Like it was fucking porcelain toilets, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like just freaking nailing hose. Take this shithead. <laughs> uh, uh, but um, for me, the takeaway from that was, uh, oh my goodness, Boba is back, man. Boba yeah. is back. Yeah, he just goes complete ape shit without his armor and just yes. starts killing oh, all he, these Imperials. He has, his, he has his armor, though. Oh, not at the beginning of the fight. Well, not the beginning of the fight yet. No, that's where he's going right. ham with the fucking stick. That's right, yeah. And then he, you know, then he's like... Then he gets his armor and he... Yeah. Was, I was aiming for the other one. I lost my shit when he finally got to use his little knee, knee pad blasters. Oh, oh, knee pad yeah. blasters? oh, that's right. Yeah, his knee pads have these like two little blaster barrels on each side, and he like stuck his knee out and shot two of the stormtroopers in the groin. Oh, Jesus, I didn't even see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So much yeah, crazy yeah, shit going on. I was losing my shit at that. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. He, he just he completely wipes the floor with these bastards, and then another one lands, and then they're just they try to set up this like turret, and then the the boulder that Fennig just kicks down the hill. What a <laughs> he's there was like oh shit come on no <laughs> gets mowed over. Um, would be thick with two C's though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he gets his armor. Um, and you I kind of mentioned it briefly. Go ahead. I do want to bring up one point. Uh, the chain code, the chain code revealing that Django was a foundling. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important thing to bring up, considering in uh, the Clone Wars, uh, they had tried to disavow Django from ever being a Mandalorian. Yeah, I they know. said. I think it was in one of the books that they said that he killed a Mandalorian for the armor. That was how they tried to like retcon it. Because, because that uh. That armor comes from supposedly Jango Fett's like dad or uncle or something like that in the comic books. I feel like it's really nitpicky to try to play Jango as not a Mandalorian. Yeah, I honestly, I honestly feel that way. And it, for me, I don't care that Boba's a clone. I don't care about that. I, even though he may not like actively seek out a clan and you know restore the mandalorian culture i don't think it's i don't think it's unfair to say that he's also part mandalorian yeah for me no, I, I, agree. I agree with that i agree with that and and um 
yeah, I I think this episode does, does justice to tell like he's actually Mandalorian. One, a few other things about this episode. Trying to move along here. Um, three big things here. So when we find out, so these these as you mentioned briefly, Peyton, the uh, the Imperials start to retreat, and men, and Boba Fett's like, no, 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 missile the one crashes into the other, both crash into the ground, explosion. Turns around, he's like, "Yeah, motherfucker," <laughs> and then, um, oh, and then we realize, and it was kind of uh, hinted at in the episode with uh, where he goes back to the that that lava planet and the siege. Um, when they did the repairs on his ship, they put a transponder in it, and they confirmed this at the end of I think the Jedi episode. Uh, but this big ass star destroyer cruiser um shoots one one bullet one huge destroys the razor crest orbital strike orbital yeah. strike thank you totally just obliterates that it's like all of all of like everything gone except for the spear except for the spear, for the spear. hold on <laughs> hold up later hold up yeah. and the little little ball thing that the grogu likes to play with that's the it gear oh, yeah. everything the gear shift gone how he finds that in the dust i have no idea but it's understandable he finds the spear because the spear won't be destroyed like that and then it's like great now what and so then 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 of course uh man he, he releases um oh god what's his name moff gideon releases uh the dark troopers and they capture baby grogu right. and right. he's like slave one goes after him boba in slave one goes after him he's like i can't take him out without hurting the kid and obviously he sees that this big massive star destroyer he's like they're back the I can see the fucking Star Destroyer with my eyes. I didn't say that, but... Um, Basically having some PTSD, he's like, holy shit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think, I think like, that's a really, like, uh, overlooked point, is that Boba had interactions with the Empire. Darth Vader himself. Yeah. And to see that happening again, it's probably, like, a mind-blowing thing for him. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's probably thinking, he's like, holy shit, is the Dark Helmet one still alive? (laughs) (laughs) Dark Helmet. And then at the end of this episode, um, essentially, he, he, he goes back to ask for Cara Dune's help. And he's like, they took the kid, and I need this one crack shot sniper. And the crack shot sniper ends up being Bill Burr uh, from the first season. I'm glad they brought him back, even if it was for a few episodes um, or one episode, really. So they go on uh, the next episode to go break out. Uh, well, it's not even break out. They, they get him in like the first 10 minutes, but they go to get Bill Burr for this other heist to find out where they can find this Imperial Star Destroyer and go save Grogu. Any other points for the last episode for the tragedy? Uh, um, no, no, no. You're good. I, unless. Oh yeah, you're I, good. Just yeah. Yeah. Unless you've had something, I'm good. Yeah. All right, and then let's see here. 
All right, so uh, we have the next episode called The Believer. I think it's a good episode. I think it's one of the better. Um, oh, it's not even. Yeah, it's dude. not a filler episode. Like there's there's really no, good personal parts to this, and you get to see more of. Uh, this this episode Migs is Mayfield. a fantastic episode. Yeah, this feels like the moral center of the season in some regards. Mm-hmm. So, Cara Dune and Mando break out. Uh, Migs, who's Bill Burr's character, out of the, this little prison. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he agrees to help them find Moff Gideon's cruiser, but they have to go to an internal terminal of a Imperial base. So it's essentially a stealth mission meets a heist. Um, and they have to go to Morak, which is like this kind of Amazonian kind of planet. I, I, I definitely saw like, I don't know, for me, it was it felt like they were going to like this Amazonian planet where it's like, you know, South, South America kind of feel to it. Yeah, and I these agree. people have kind of encroached and started like taking from these people um, yeah. from their land and, and, and they're trying to fight back by destroying the Imperials, which we get to. Um, but that's what I got from this episode. And so Migs and Mando go down, they go to this tunnel and they knock out these two guards, um, and they they take their little uh, fuel-filled cruiser that's highly volatile and carrying high explosives, and they have to drive it to this base in order to get to this information that they need. Uh, I love the fact that Bilberg kind of goes into like his backstory in this episode. Really great, really great. Yeah, and, and it also it also touches on the. Uh a little bit of the campaign from Battlefront 2 with Operation mm-hmm. Cinder mm-hmm. and stuff too, which I liked. So I, I think I think even more at, from an elevated point of that, not just Star Wars, I think they broke a fourth wall here that I really loved. They added a lot of humanism into it, like where it was like, look, good versus bad, whoever the good or the bad is up to a relative sense. Like, everybody is a loser if you're not on the rebel or the empire side, right? Everybody's going to be a victim. Yeah. And I thought that was a very, very humanistic, uh, dialogue that Bill Burr presented. Um, I, I don't know. It broke a fourth wall for me. That was really fucking cool. Yeah. yeah I it kind of shows like, you know, what war actually does, not just in the mm-hmm. sense of like star Wars, but like, I mean, even in like real life where, you know, yeah. yeah. Something is happening. The people that are in that area are the, you know, true sufferers. There's, there's really no victory to it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Bird did a fantastic job. I loved it. And so they get to this base, um, and they have to get to the scanner. But the only way to do it is by taking off your mask, or if you have a helmet. Damn it, kind of whatever. You've seen this episode already if you've watched. If you're listening, uh, the long of the story short is, Bill Burr can't go in there because his ex. Uh, commander's in there. He doesn't want to get recognized. So Mando goes in and he takes off his helmet. I didn't realize that he was ever going to take his helmet off this season until this moment. And I was like, oh, that's awesome because it's actually the person we want to see. Uh, <laughs> instead of just, you know, mask mask on, voice on, we get to see uh, the actor behind the mask. And um, they then they essentially get stopped and it's very much like the scene it kind of felt like the scene from glorious bastards where they sit down with the captain and it's like i want dry glazer and he pulls up the three and he's like shit 
it's guns out but it wasn't like that um but very reminiscent in my opinion and so they they stopped to have a drink with this officer and bill burr essentially is like you remember what happened you remember what happened during Operation Cinder? He loses, exactly. he loses yeah. his shit. Exactly. And just That's, boom. Right, right. That, that was probably some legit PTSD right there. Yeah. I love I love how he just like put, plugs him with like three blaster rounds and the Mandalorian just looks over at him like, really? <laughs> All that for that? <laughs> yeah. He kind of looked at him like, like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he looks at that other stormtrooper and just like plugs him from the side. And I was just like, oh shit, things are about to pop off here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, leading from that, you know, they make the getaway because fuck, we're in a base, we have to get away, and uh, slave one comes and rescues them, and then we get the, uh, can somebody do the voice? Can somebody, or not the voice, the uh, sound bite? Oh god, the come the, on, come the, on, give, the it me, give it to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give um, it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially, two Tie Fighters go after Slave One. He drops the bomb that is seismic charge seismic charge and just decimates both of them at the same time i had that shit on my dolby surround sound i was in heaven (laughs) (laughs) i do want to backtrack to the uh to the what i don't remember what the vehicle's name is uh, the tanker the the transport Mm -hmm. uh dude that choreography was really fucking good really fucking good yeah, was. I, I was so entertained by that uh, scene where they were, you know, trying to get away from the skimmers. And it's also I, I saw uh, it was on Kevin Smith's uh, podcast. He brought it up and a bunch of other people brought it up, too. And then when I, I went back and watched it, this is like the first time in Star Wars, per se, where you see Imperial troops and officers celebrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they get when they get the uh, transport into the base and stuff. They're all like happy, smiling, like yeah, fuck yeah, we got a transport. You know, it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, it was like it, you know to see that like you see like the rebels celebrating and stuff, yeah, in, like the movies and stuff like that. But it's like you never see um, the you camaraderie see, kind of yeah, thing. Like, yeah. yeah, it was that was that was totally odd for me to see that. So. Another cool little trivia point is this is the episode, if I'm not mistaken, where they, uh, the crew went out and sought uh, actual fans that had their own costumes and said, hey, guys, we ran out of uh, we ran out of uh, props. We need y'all. Can you help? And oh, I wouldn't did. doubt. I wouldn't doubt that they did that in the first season, right? And uh, it was like, oh man, that's two. cool. Let's get some fans. Oh, that's on board. nice trivia. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's did, get some um, fans on board. In the first one, the were like the reveal of Moth, uh, Moth Gideon and stuff. All the stormtroopers were part of the five hundred first Legion. Dude, that's so badass. They do so all the badass. like charity events. They go to hospitals and stuff. So yeah, they hired like I think it was like. 30 or 40 of them and they were like bring your costumes like come onto the set and play a stormtrooper and it's actually crazy how fucking cool these people come up with their own costumes oh yeah it's on their own it's wild it's badass very nice and i did like the fact that um at the end of the episode right before the whole you know seismic charge uh bill burr's like you know what one more, one one second. Let me line this up, and just takes a yeah. sniper and he's like, "Give me that fucking <laughs> rifle." <laughs> Shoots it, boom! Another ma- major explosion. Is um, anybody also 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 thrown off by the fact that they just left him there? 
<laughs> yeah. Go be with her. your people. These aren't my people, but yeah, just go. So. See, that's what I was, I was hoping for, like, where he starts walking away and then he turns around and he's like, you know what? I don't have a ship. Can I come with you guys? Like, <laughs> right, because that would seem like the logical thing, but okay. I mean, whatever. Right. I think he's just hanging out in the jungle right now. Yeah, I hope we, we see more he's of the second life. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really cool. Um, we have th- this was already probably revealed before this episode, but the gyrating cockpit of the Slave One. Oh man, that was you know what I mean? Because I've always been I curious, like, well, how does he? How does he? You know, Stay have gravity. You know, yeah. So, and that was, I think the gyrating uh, cockpit was really fucking cool. But yeah, we anyway. actually got to see like the inside uh-huh. of it yep. and stuff. That was pretty badass. Yeah. Um. Moving on to the next episode here. Here we go, Matt. Here we go. The rescue. So this is what everything's been building up for for the last two episodes. They know where, um, they know where Moff Gideon's ship is. And actually, before the last episode ends, there's a little message that uh, Mando sends. I don't know why the fuck you would send it. I mean, I guess it makes sense just to build tension, but it's like he sends a message to Moff Gideon saying essentially what. Moff Gideon said at the end of last season where he was finding the kid, you have something I want. I want it more than you could ever, you know, could possibly understand. And I will do anything to get this back. Um, talking about the kid. So, starts off immediately. Slave One's trying to take out this Imperial shuttle uh, because they're going to do another stealth run and, you know, a, uh, a, a distraction. Um, I think this is this episode's next to i think this is the the from like action to it's full full plot best episode in the season next to the jedi i think as well um and the tragedy of course i think these these are the top three episodes this whole season hands down out of eight you can't really say that much but very good just concise storytelling um so the mandalorian caradoon uh, they capture the doctor from the first season and uh, and the one who was on the um, uh, the little speaker because they want to use his shuttle to get into the star destroyer or not yeah star destroyer <laughs> and um, it I think the main reason they I don't know if they really actually needed him dr. Pershing uh, because they were just using him because he was so important to the to the uh, safety. His safety was important to Moff Gideon, so that way they would get into the ship versus maybe another shuttle. I'm not sure right. if that was necessary. I don't, even think, I don't even think that they knew that he was on that shuttle. They were probably just being like, hey, that's an Imperial-class shuttle that we could use. And either it way, it, it happened it kinda, to be he was on it. You know? Yeah, either way, it kind of like, it, it didn't really make make too much of a difference, yeah. right? Like it didn't, like, yeah, like they didn't, did he even? He did, they didn't use him as a blackmail to get into the cruiser. No, they didn't. Yeah. Do that. So it was just okay, a show. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. They didn't even really show him after that first part. No, really. they didn't. Um, yeah. anyway, he on. has he has these two guards, and I really like the conversation that Cara Dune and and this one Imperial guard have. It's like you guys are terrorists the, the the imperial guy said to her and it's like oh, with, the, with the with the pilot yeah yeah and he's like i i watched your your planet be destroyed on the death star and she kind of gives him a nudge like which one the first or the second <laughs> and that shit kind of is kind of low-key intense though because like you know 
they are talking about a planet fucking dying. And he's like, I loved watching it die. And he's just, you know, obviously she plugs him right in the face. And I'm pretty sure that the doctor just went deaf because of it. Um, I, I think there's there's some importance to his character that we haven't fully seen yet. I think it's going to be yeah. like he keeps showing up, right? He's in the first season a bit, second season a bit. I think he's going to be end up being the main crux of some storyline that's like, oh, you really should have killed this guy because X. Here's the plot. Here's the plot twist. Season three, there's a dark version of Baby Grogu. Oh. <laughs> what is like Star Killer or not Star Killer? Yeah. He, um, yeah, he yeah he would be like Stark. There was two versions of him. There was like a good one and a not so good one. You see some babies go at it. That's two little baby Yodas, just like one yeah, red saber, one green. Baby sized lightsabers. But don't Moff Gideon and Pershing survive this episode? They do. Yeah. So so it's not like they're excluded from a future appearance. So correct. Anyway. Oh yeah. I I I was kind of. Well, we'll get to that. So yeah, I don't want to get. Essentially, there's 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 a ruse with Slave One shooting around this uh, this um. Lambda. Yeah. Uh, yeah, shooting around this um, Imperial shuttle. The llama shuttle. Yeah, and it goes directly into the port where all these uh, TIE fighters are coming out, and then it's like guns out, just they start killing everyone. Then Mando goes on his little side mission to the left. Uh, He he cuts out to go and save Grogu with this distraction. Um, With, and it's not really just a distraction because obviously Bo Katan, which they go after uh, to become part of this. uh, this whole, this whole. Hold ruse. on, hold on, back up. We we forgot a part. We forgot a part. Where where, where Bo-Katan? Yeah, oh, that's right. Where they meet Bo-Katan and they get her to help, which they have a little confrontation. Boba Fett and uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, the other wrestler chick that's in this. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. Uh, Sasha Banks. We'll, we'll call her Sasha like, Banks. Yeah, which I mean, that's that's kind of a key thing too, because that planet that they're on, I think, is one from Rebels. No, they went to the same and planet. They were Trask. No, that wasn't Trask. That wasn't Trask. No, because uh, they also show Lady Bo-Katan's uh, Nightwing, which is the her like fighter spaceship. Hmm. That was in Clone Wars and Rebels. They don't say anything oh, here about shit. what planet they were on. Well, no, uh, I think I think it is because the refineries that they show have old uh, Republic emblems on them, hmm. and that there was a I can't remember what I don't think it was Lothal. I think it was another planet that had those same refineries with those logos on them in in the Rebels. Uh, Did they show the Nightwing in that foreground when they were docking? Yeah, when the Slave One comes and lands, it's Holy there with its, with its wings up. Holy shit. Okay, so that's cool. probably where they parked the, the thing from the third episode. Probably. The that's where they're probably... They have, like, their base there and stuff. Nick is right, though. That is an important part because they try to disavow Boba again. As being a clone and stuff yeah. like that, yeah. And Boba didn't. He doubled down. That was a fun little scene, to be honest. Yeah, he yeah. doubled down. I like how he started calling her princess. <laughs> and okay, my question is, how did, uh, uh, is her name Casca? How did she actually 
repelled the fire that Boba was starting to. She used her own. She was using her own flamethrower. Oh, okay, okay. I missed it then. Okay. It was like an Anakin Obi Wan like force push level, (laughs) (laughs) but with fire. (laughs) Some firebender shit. Yeah. Your fire is not as strong as my fire. That was a fun scene because I was like, oh man, these guys are about to duke. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, sorry, Matt. To oh no 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 no. That, I, I was actually I I should have talked about that first, but I'm just kind of uh, ba- I mean, basing with, it off my notes. With it, like you know, the episodes go so quick. Like things go pretty quick. You know, like scene in, scene out, and then you know you're on to another part of the story. Right. This happens yeah. even before they the slave one where they capture the Imperial shuttle. Oh yeah 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 for sure for sure. Yeah. Very important. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, um. And then the flying iron does like a, like a like a north turn above the cockpit of the Lambda shuttle. Like I'm just overwhelming you. Yeah, that was that was something else, man. I love seeing that ship. I'm honestly, <laughs> honestly curious though. How does the Slave One board another shuttle? Another shuttle? Like how how do you see it happening? I, I imagine like off camera. Like a little <laughs> yeah, off, camera. off camera. You ever see two praying mantises mate? Kind of like that. You're going to tell an iron to board a triangle. It's like a 1920s <laughs> rope ladder. You know, rolls work. down. <laughs> oh, man. All right. All right. I'm back. We're back. <laughs> God damn it. So they're back on the Imperial Star Destroyer. Um,. And Bo-Katan and her group are all going. It's it's Cara Dune, um, the two Mandos, uh, Bo-Katan, and what was her name? You said it earlier, Peyton? Uh, the- Casca. Casca. And also, uh, who the fuck else is on? Oh, Boba Fett, oh, Jets. Fennec, Fennec is uh, Fennec. on the Thank you. part. Yeah. The four well, ladies. Boba Fett's like, what, he's like an air cover mode. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and then... Immediately jets out of there, um, which I would have really liked to see another face to face between two characters, <laughs> but it didn't happen later in the episode. Um, but then I would have taken it away. So they go on their mission. They're they're trying to meet get to the uh, the control room where you know the bridge and take it over. So they're gunning through a bunch of different um, uh, different stormtroopers and really. You know, really cool interactions there because there's one part where they're essentially going over this bridge and it's like, you know, fairly long. So it's like, ah, crap, if we get stuck in the middle of this, we're kind of doomed. So as soon as the, um, the stormtroopers show up on the other side, the, uh, two Mandalorians go under and then they take out the people from in front. So then it's Cara Dune and Fennec on one side of the bridge and they're kind of trapped. And then the other yeah. two Mandalorians jetpack and just immediately eliminate all of them. Dominoes, leftovers. Um, <laughs> what what a great uh, scene there. They get to the bridge and then they're like, what the hell? Where's Moff Gideon? As predicted, he would never be on the bridge. He's going to be next to the... Mo- he's, you never be where you're going to be anticipated to be. Did you almost say Muppet there, Matt? Muppet? Muppet Gideon? He was, he, he, no, Moff Gideon was standing next to the Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> sure, he is Muppet. Uh, oh, baby <laughs> baby Muppet. Muppet Grogu. Um, and this is where I think the, the big part of this uh, episode begins, because it's just whew, goosebumps all the way through. Um, so... 
Oh, that's right. That is why they needed the doctor. Because the doctor had this locking mechanism that would allow them to... And I don't think this is necessary. Maybe it was an added bonus of finding him. He had the... He had the code cipher cylinder on him. Yes, code cipher that cylinder. Little, and that little thing. it allows him it allows Mando to lock away the dark troopers for the time. And that that is right. That's Yeah, so Mando on the way to get to Grogu, he has to pass by the dark dark troopers. Well, as soon as the Moff Gideon realizes this is happening, he's like activate the dark troopers and it's like dark trooper skrillex up in this bitch i'm not sure if you even realize that like it was like like yeah it's like oh okay very cool top step up and so he has to lock away the the dark troopers um and he gets there just a little bit too late because here's johnny one of them gets through Yep, and I thought that was pretty cool. It was just like this: this door's closing, it's closing. Nope, <laughs> and these two hands. It is totally. I hear it's Johnny. Yeah, kind of, kind of yeah. It's like, oh fuck, fuck. One fuck. of them got out. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Yeah, dude started doming him too. Just fucking. I, I was like, oh shit, is this crane? <laughs> I crushed your fucking head in like yeah, this. Is, is this another Game of Thrones round for uh, Pedro Pascal? <laughs> <laughs> Getting this freaking head Honestly, crushed. Honestly, you're onto something there, though. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was him when he got his like eyes popped out by the mountain, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Steven, what do you want? You want to talk about? In this episode, are you are you waiting for us to bring up some specific point? Well, you're gonna bring it up, but I okay. wanted to ask the panel here: when Grogu was uh, being connected to the Force back in uh, the episode "The Tragedy," yeah, who did you think was gonna show up at the end? I did anyone have any predictions? I I feared it was gonna be Ezra. I feared it. Okay, Ooh, you feared it. I, I to be very honest, I wanted it to be Ezra. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I was pro loop then. <laughs> I, I didn't think anyone was going to show up uh, oh. this this time. I, I didn't realize like someone was actually going to show up. I thought maybe they'll tie in to the game that came out. Um, well, uh, you were thinking it was um, the Fallen Order boy? Yes. Uh, Cal. Cal. Maybe no, Cal. Maybe maybe it wouldn't be a uh, a force. It wouldn't be a light. You know, I guess maybe it was a light side temple. Uh, the, you know, light side of the force temple. So I guess it wouldn't be a dark side character showing up. But he did reach out to the force. When you do that, sometimes you get something you won't, won't like. Uh, I didn't think anyone was going to show up. But um, definitely someone did. And it was, I thought it was cool. Um, Oof. Are we just going to accelerate right to that? Point? No, we're not. Okay. Because there's this whole fight with the goddamn dark trooper in the hallway where Mando's just getting thrashed. I thought for some, I thought Mando might like lose something, like actually a part, of, part of his armor, maybe, maybe a part of his, <laughs> maybe like you think this robot would like break one of his limbs, like 
like at least break like maim him in some you know, way you know it, they actually did the dark troopers credit with that though because those dudes are badasses yeah and i loved how they made them the third generation ones which they were just like i feel i feel no more pain and i'm you know gonna just destroy you i'm all yeah. robot it's essentially the terminator practically practically all robot yeah <laughs> Well, they said they got rid of the human element, so they were all droids. Yeah, well, that, that's that's the sad part because we didn't get to see the human element in a in a live action. But dark troopers are notoriously big bad motherfuckers. Yeah, they're like uh, uh, SS Doom Troopers, basically. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's a really that's a hardcore callback to a really crappy sci-fi movie. <laughs> <laughs> And so, um, long and the short of it, he fights this thing, and then he's like, he's trying to use his blaster, uses his flamethrower. Not even, the flamethrower effect just is like, he just turns to him, he's like, you just tried to burn me, really? It's not gonna work here, buddy. And he just picks him up, and then finally, Mando's like, fuck it, the spear, just, gah! Gets him right in the, the you know, uh, metallic jugular, as it were, and just finishes him. <laughs> Yeah, and then he jettisons the rest of the the um, dark troopers outside because they're just about to break through, and so he yeah, moves on to Baby Grogu. Like, pulled like an aliens level move. No, right released them into the space. Um, which yeah, as soon as that happened, I boys, I was like, wait, they have jets, they dude. They I was like, fly. last episode clearly showed they have jets. This is and they're not alive. As he launched them into space. I was like, wait a second, wait. No, I was watching. I was like, I was like, yeah, that gave you about ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I I was immediately like, wait a minute now. And so, um, he goes to find Baby Grogu. Fucking up the whole entire crew. Yeah, they they essentially have taken over the bridge at this point. The whole garrison of the ship. And of course, where do you go when your ship's being taken to the place of the thing that people want the most? He goes in. Mando goes into the chamber. Lo and behold, there we have Moff Gideon, Darksaber in hand, right above Grogu. And he's like, I have what I need. And he, he, he has this huge speech, which I can't even fathom. But essentially, he's like, I assume I know everything and assume you will never be able to surprise me. Yeah, he's basically playing puppet masters, basically yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. He's like, I knew you would come for the child and I'm not going to give him to you. And I think he initially says, like, I'm not going to give you the kid. You should just leave at this point. I have what I need. There's nothing more you can do. And then Mando's like, I just want the kid. You can keep the Darksaber. Because he, he also thinks that Mando wants the Darksaber. But maybe he's playing into his hand kind of, again, like Puppet Master. He's like, I have this Darksaber. And maybe he actually, part of his plan is to kind of lose that fight. Maybe. Um just to grow tension, dissension in the ranks because he knows if he loses that fight then maybe because this whole shit's been taken over even if he kills Mando he has to deal with the others as well and well, maybe if, you're, if your theory is correct then he's basically banking on the fact that the Darksaber conflict is coming up but that's something we have to get to yeah long and the short of it we're moving along here um, there's essentially he says take the baby and uh, Mando goes for the baby and of course sparks up the dark saber he's like fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you <laughs> and they have this awesome kick-ass fight in the hallway um and you really get to see the use of the spear in this and it's it's definitely it's on uh moff gideon loses and 
Um, and and uh, Mando gets the dark saber, but with consequences he does not know yet. Uh, he takes he takes Moff Gideon with the kid to the bridge, and you guys want to talk about this part? I feel like I'm talking hot. I love, I love how in that scene when they get to the bridge where Lady Bo-Katan, she's kind of got like her smirk, like, "Hey, everything's going according to plan," and she turns around and she's and like, sees oh, the Mandalorian fuck. with the child and the lit dark saber, and she like, and you could just see her face, like, all the emotion just goes out of her face. And when I saw that, I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, I, I thought that. She, I thought even she, had her hands she even had her hands folded behind her back before they entered the bridge. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We got this, boys. Yeah. <laughs> and then they walk in. Yeah, you're right. She did a complete 180 in mm-hmm. emotion. Because that has that has um, factors in from Rebels because she technically has never won the Darksaber in combat. It was given to her by Sabine Wren at the end of one of the story arcs in Rebels as a gift um, because Sabine Wren is part of the one of the like ruling the original ruling families of Mandalore so what was her plan now- what was her plan to win that back like how was she just going to use her blasters like and and kill him oh, no, she was probably just going to beat the shit out of him and okay. take it and then kill him with it is probably what she was going to do right this is the way um, yeah but now she's basically back at square one like she was the first time around where like the Mandalorian said you know I yield you know here take the thing and she's like I can't you know she can't accept it as a gift again yeah, yeah we find um, out that essentially yeah don't you just love it when your your saber comes with Elder One clauses it's just yeah, great <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Elder One clauses is that what you said yeah <laughs> Yeah. It's like only the the person who disarmed you can actually control the other wand. <laughs> That's such a good reference. And, and I love I love how Moff Gideon's character he's just like over there just like laughing internally at the whole situation as he's explaining it to him. Yeah, he's That's like, lovely. guess what? Actually- you fell into my hand. That was really good. That was a really good way to put the uh, the not as hardcore fans into the perspective of what the significance is going on here mm-hmm. yeah yeah like, Mandal- yeah go ahead and like it could have felt so much like a plot contrivance but the way they contextualize it in relation to like the mandalorian tradition was just so perfect and sets up for a potential like third season afterwards mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean and- there's a lot of different ways that they could they could go at that like you know they could have it to where you know later down the road somewhere the Mandalorian and Bo-Katan they have to fight it out or it could be there was a I can't remember if it was one of the books or the comics they had like a unification through now again this is kind of a far out reach but through marriage so you could see you could see both of them like be the leading front of an assault to take Mandalore over again Mm -hmm. and they could be like the ruling you know the ruling class so there's a lot of options that they could do with that. And just for our just for our audience out there that doesn't understand the significance of the dark saber, you can go through your own DD on it, but basically uh that that lightsaber was created by the first Mandalorian to join the Jedi Order. Yeah. 
and that is why it has so much of a significance of taking over the Mandalorian uh, throne, essentially. And it's not as much as a conquering aspect, it's a unification aspect, because the Mandalorians have always gone through a a uh, conflict of who is actually the leader here, and unless it's solidified, then there's always going to be this turmoil. But they view it as a positive light, you know, uh, through conflict we get stronger, and that's just the way it's always gone. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it's like, as he's doing this, like, you know, this, this speech, they realize that something is not right and something is on the ship with them and there's no life forms. Yeah, back on the ship. <laughs> and it's like, God damn it. Ah, uh, we couldn't get rid of these damn dark troopers. Now it's the whole battalion of dark troopers. Beating down the door. And, the and, beating down the door. And I love how Moff Gideon says, you had trouble just taking on one of them. Now there's a whole battalion. And it reminded me of the Minds of Moria scene from Lord of the Rings um, to some degree. Drums in the deep. Like, they're just pounding on this door. And then it's like, you know, they're going to get in and they're going to fucking kill all of you. Um, yeah. And it seems they hopeless. Did get in too. That was the thing for me. I was like, "Wait, they're actually gonna beat down a blast door?" Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. And then I didn't think anything of this immediately. I was like, and then they're, they're like, "Oh, we got another. You know, we got a ship coming." And I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be Boba Fett coming back, like with his slave one to kind of help him." I was like, "But he's gonna get his ass kicked, so that's not gonna help them at all." I'm like, "What the hell's happening?" It's like, "Oh, it's just one X-wing." It's like one X-wing. Okay, what? What? Who the hell's? Wait, one X-wing. One? Just, mm-hmm. just the one? Wait. Oh, uh, we're safe now. And now. I was like, "Oh shit!" Because I had seen Mark Hamill's post earlier in the day, and it's like, "Shh!" And I was like, "That kind of let me know, like, okay, something with him in this." But I'm like, "They're not gonna bring Luke." They bring Luke. <laughs> they bring Luke. Like Rogue One brought Vader, but it's I th- and it's not as like high intensity because that was like a hot minute of Vader. This is like a hot three minutes of Luke, and it's just like. And it can't, comes pan, panning back to, um, you know, Baby Grogu, like, his hand on the screen. But it's... They brought Luke. And I was just jaw-dropped, and I stood up to my seat. I was like, oh, my fucking God! <laughs> I think everybody was. Yeah. I just fuck was. I was like, oh, my God. Especially the part where uh, they revealed the hand with the... Uh, with the glove mm-hmm. yeah. I was like oh yeah. my god oh my god that's the part where you stand up and scream no fucking way no fucking way I will say they, they still have a little bit of work to do with the CGI mapping but it's getting better it's getting better yeah. it's getting better but you're right it's getting better I still think Tarkin's CGI was the best out of all three so far yeah I agree I think Tarkin Tarkin was fucking nailed down so perfectly. I mean, to be very honest, they could have like, and this was, this has been talked about um, on social media before where the, the one actor that plays the winter soldier, um, what's his name? Oh, Sebastian, Sebastian, yeah, Sebastian Stan. Stan looks like a young Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and there was like a push. Everybody wanted him. Like if they were going to bring Luke Skywalker back to like, you know, to Disney plus or something, they wanted him to play the young version. And they very uh, well could do that going forward. Um, if they're they going to do something bigger, uh, the guy that they got to do like all the stunts where he's like going through and, you know, taking the dark troopers down. Uh, he looks a lot like Mark Hamill too. Um, which Holy that's what shit he does. Yeah. Which they, they used the mapping um, for his face and stuff. I mean, it looked good. He, he looked, but like when he talked and stuff, you could still tell though that it was a little. Um, yeah. Yeah. It actually, in, it was in their paper in, that he had a blank kind of like expression, you know, yeah. which is kind of the, the kind of return of the Jedi kind of vibe we got from Luke. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely lost my shit when R2 entered the room. Yeah. I was like, uh, and then this whole scene has got me teary eyed, man. It was just like, we have to say goodbye to the crux of the story thus far. Um, and I'm assuming we may, we may see him in the Ahsoka series show up. Maybe for some reason, Ahsoka goes and a little bit older too. Maybe he, she goes to see, she, she senses something in the forest with Luke goes to see what's going on and sees baby Grogu. And she's like, Oh my God, there's the kid. And he found his way. I feel that they'll, they'll probably give that character like a a season off. Oh, for sure. And, And they'll make him, at least I don't know if they'll make him bigger or anything, but I, I, at least they'll, you know, he'll start talking maybe a little bit. Well, we know his species is pretty short either way, but yes, yeah. maybe talking. Uh, um, but, but I mean, or they could, you know, age him up to like, you know, a rambunctious teenager. You know, we've never really seen a young mm-hmm. version of that species, you know, yeah. like yeah. what is the, what is a Grogu, Grogu in his prime like, you know, type of a thing. Right. And I, uh, and thus we say goodbye. No, no, no. We're not done yet. Uh, say, no, it's say, a baby Grogu. That, yeah, yeah. Oh, we say goodbye to baby Grogu. I mean, for me... Hey, it's for like, me, how dare you? You forgot the most important part. Yeah. Uh, for me, though, when it comes to the, the Grogu plot, plot line, I think that this is really good for the Mendel. I think that... I think that if they were to continue that plotline, it would it would really overshadow the whole entire core of what the show was actually intended to be. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Although I do like I do like the lone wolf and cub aspect. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that that vibe is cool. I'm with you on that. Like I could tell, like if they, you know, like I said, this is the break for it. He comes back. He's a little bit, you know he's a little bit more matured, but he's still kind of, you know, kooky in his own way and stuff. But then he goes on adventures with the Mandalorian, you know, and he can actually like benefit from that. You know, it's not just like, I have to carry you around all over the place and, you know, you can actually, you can actually do stuff now with me yeah, and stuff I can like see that. that. However, I don't know if the Mandalorian will go more than four seasons. Um, I mean, they could I, I, obviously I, I, do it. They could. It's not saying they couldn't do it. I'm saying we'll see. The average the average show goes seven. So, you know, and with the yeah, they're going differently. As, so as long as Favreau and Filoni keep making stories, you know. Yeah, and we're I mean, only on two. That's the craziest part. Yeah, and, and bro, that's a big ball and bullshit out, and it's worked. Yeah, yeah, and then. Um, 
then the door closes and we get credits and uh that's where i stopped watching initially <laughs> i didn't i, uh, I didn't I, realize I until i went to reddit that there was an end credit scene oh you guys fucked oh, up man. i fucked oh, up i, I no. me alone solo i realized i was like wait there's still much more time left in this episode yeah i saw yeah. seven minutes of credits and i was like let me see if there's anything after this shit if I know anything with Marvel movies and stuff, yeah, it's it's wait, you wait until the end of the credits. <laughs> was the thing where Goth Gideon came out of the Tie Fighter with the saber? Was that after the end credits last season? I, I don't think it was. No, no, no it was. It, it was, was uh, Boba Pre- Fett getting, uh, what's her name, the assassin chick. She was dead out in the desert. Oh, that was at the end of. No, that was the end of. Uh, that was just end of that episode. I don't where she was in the episode. That was the final, that was the final episode. Last season? Last season's yeah. end credit scene was him picking her up. His it just showed know. his it just showed his boots and uh, the like spur the spur sound. I think that was like the I think that was at the end of the that that specific episode, but we'll I have could, I, I could be mistaken. Um but the long and the short of it, the end of this episode gives us Job of the Hut's Palace. And now it's Tuna the Hut, otherwise known as Bib Fortuna, Big Chunk Man, <laughs> Big Boy, Big Boy. You gained some weight, man. Gained like four hundred pounds. Um, and he's just chilling on Jabba's throne. And then you see Fennec come down, kill someone, releases the uh, uh, the the slave, the sa- slave of Bib Fortuna. God, she runs the hell out of there. And down comes uh, Mr. Boba Fett, and he's like, Bib Fortuna's like, oh, Boba, how's it going, man? Just immediately kills him. (laughs) Kicks him off the throne, and Boba Fett sits down, and then they say, the book of Boba Fett coming December 2021. Which, the book of Boba Fett, boys. I am, I Let's am so go. Ready. <laughs> That's gonna be so fucking awesome. I'm as yeah. stoked that for that as I am for the uh, Kenobi series. Oh yeah, that one. I mean, cause like. <sighs> Because how long? Well, let's see. No, that wouldn't work. Because Obi Wan's already gone. Unless. Yeah, no, that still wouldn't work. The timeline wouldn't no. add up. Not at all. If you're staying right now where we're at, yeah, he's already won with the Force. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm thinking it's a few years after the Revenge of the Sith. But technically, Baba is still alive before Sarlacc. True. Very true. Potential we'll see him. I'm, I'm hoping that they bring, like, because, man, I mean, they could do it. Um the one episode from rebels where i mean i don't want to spoil it for you matt this is i know uh, i know dude at the end of solo you see him you talk yeah, about darth the, maul the episode's called the tale of two sons and it's uh it's darth maul on like a peyote quest to find fucking obi-wan in the desert and he finally he finally he finally finds him. <laughs> And they they duel it out there in the night. That would be a cool to see a recreate. Uh, if they did if they did a live action with Ewan McGregor and Ray Park again as Darth Maul from Episode One. Oh my god! Oh my god! 
that would just that would be the the freaking cherry on top of my 2021 or whenever that show comes out bring Liam Neeson into it and you got me see I hope they do that where like he talks to Qui-Gon through the force and stuff Mm mm-hmm I think it'd be cool if they started it off like right after Revenge of the Sith. Or how long is it supposed to take after Revenge of the Sith? Like well, five that's, years. That's the thing. Yeah. Like it's not that far away. It's it's really not. And you have this small premise of like you know even with the Mandalorian, you have this small premise of like this guy, and he's on a quest, and you don't really know too much about it. And then they invite you to this whole world of Baby Grogu, and that is where it really expands because that. And so you can go anywhere with Kenobi because you already have that strong character and you're just going to build it from there even more. And apparently they're going to have you're going to have Darth Vader fight Obi-Wan Kenobi based on what I've heard. Well, possibly. I mean, as far as from right now, I think it's just flashbacks to when. Yeah. Obi-Wan and Anakin were still, you know, like brothers. Yeah, but yeah, um, that's the way I see it going out too. The the I think the producer would... wanted to mention like we're, we're going to try and have this moment where Obi Wan and Darth Vader fight before. I feel, before in I between. feel like you're trying to retcon though the first battle in Episode Four, right? Because that was the first yeah. time that they had seen each other since Mustafar. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, it wouldn't make much sense because if if Vader actually knew where Obi-Wan was at any point, <laughs> he would have went there and tried to kill him. He would have blown the fucking yeah. planet up. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, he just would have death started. He would just been, he's down there somewhere. Yeah, just get hey, uh, you know, Emperor, could we just go to the sand planet and just test test out the weapon? Yeah, so uh, if they were to try to play that card, they would have to do it really delicately. Yeah. Full of sand. I mean... <laughs> course i like, don't really like it now we could i mean this is total just speculation here this could be the like they could put a timeline in the kenobi series where like maybe there's another jedi in hiding the one that got grogu out of the temple or something and maybe obi-wan has him for a little bit mm. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's where he got his little bassinet thing and stuff that, he that would make sense because he's still on Tatooine at the end of it. Grogu is like what fifty plus years old right now, right? Yeah, yeah. So but they that, age, that the aging, work. the aging difference. You know, because this is what this is. How many years after? Or I'm gonna, the, the I'm, Jedi. I'm like gonna return. Oh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, at least five. Or at least five or ten. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. It is. It is. Be interesting I, to see. I give you that. Yeah. Definitely excited for uh, for Boba Fett's um, show. And whenever we see the Mandalorian back, I would imagine. Definitely. He's soon. Plus, yeah, all the next. The, like, what other 145 shows that Disney announced? Yeah. Ahsoka. <laughs> and their stock price just going up. Gosh. Jesus. The new, the new series of, with Babu Frick. It's like, great. <gasps> <laughs> I will totally watch that though. That was the best part of the new the new trilogy, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, the new episode of Child Kylo Ren. It's like no, God, God no. Him and Grogu having little adventures at this Jedi temple. So yeah, that's that's the thing that worries me too. If it's Luke that takes Grogu, right? Does that mean that Grogu's at the school when Kylo Ren loses his shit? <laughs> Or when it, or when he joins that. the Knights of Ren. <laughs> oh, he said that oh, Grogu is one of the Knights of Ren. 
Yeah, you can see here in this in this part of the uh, um, in this part of the last film here, where uh, Kylo Ren slices open this one guy's mask. You could see an ear flop out. He killed Grogu. It's definitive. It's like decked out in black matted armor. Like no, they, like, they, they cut Grogu in half and they gave him leg extensions. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Treat him like Darth Maul. God damn it! Oh man. All right. Well, I think that about does it for this uh, this season. I think this season was a ten out of ten for me. It started off kind of slow with the spiders and and the frog lady, but um, definitely, definitely, what an amazing show to do in eight episodes and just have it be pure action and yeah. plot and no real no real bad points. No, mm-hmm. my book. This season took the. The, the uh, opportunity to tie in so many unconnected dots that we were wondering about, mm-hmm. yeah. and it yeah. successfully. Yeah. Any last thoughts from any of you, Stephen? Let's start with you. This is this definitely feels like the Iron Man of this new era of Star Wars. Best car man. Starting, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> starting off this basically interconnected plot that will eventually not lead to something like the Avengers but it's just setting off this this new stage of Star Wars that I think it desperately needed and again there's always going to be the argument that you know well Disney is kind of playing it safe giving the fans what they want not really doing anything new per se a lot of nostalgia fulfillment but I think that type of like conversation and uh has its place but right now what star wars needs is to bring back its reputation which is i think is far more important than trying to diverge and do new things and risk you know displeasing the fan base even more that's a good point Mm -hmm. here here to that that's, and that's the one who is like a last jedi apologist so (laughs) (laughs) yeah and what about for you Uh, for who nick Peyton, either one for me uh i mean yeah like i i like what was just said about it being like iron man you know this is like the precursor to you know of course they got a ton of other shows a couple of them that are within the universe um and you never know this could be a lead up to where hey maybe three or four years down the road, we do have like an Avengers mashup movie, you know, like the first star Wars movie back from the trilogies, which to say about the new trilogies, like I think they were good concepts. I think they were just executed poorly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that was because Disney was still trying to find its grounding as far as like, Holy shit. We have this like cash cow. How do we, what do we do with it? You know? Um, and I think that's what you're seeing with this like new phase with all these TV shows and how people are generally like interested in them. I think that's how Star Wars gets its legs back is continuing in this venue and then eventually saying, hey, how do you guys feel about, you know, characters from these shows going to a new movie, potentially a new sequel trilogy, you know, or something like that. And I think at that point the credit will be restored and faith will be restored hopefully so but overall mandalorian season two fucking fantastic 
uh, for me, uh, I agree with both of my predecessors on every point they made. I my only point or fear is I'm really skeptical about them. Uh, really, really imminently releasing so many series as Nick actually mentioned earlier. Um, but I think I'm optimistic if you have really good writers in mind, like the writers of this show, uh, Favreau and Filoni, I think I'm really optimistic about that. But if you have good content creators that are actually loyal to the lore of Star Wars, then we're looking at a really good net positive for, for the entire franchise going forward. Um, this was this was honestly the breaking point that we needed. This was it for me. Uh, the sequel trilogy not not did not satisfy me enough, but if we can replicate the same dynamic that we have here in season two of Mandalorian, and arguably even season one, but if we can replicate that and expand upon that, I think we're we're looking good. Yeah, definitely agree upon that. Yeah, um, I can't wait to see what they have more for us. And uh, I think um, in the next coming weeks, uh, you can you can expect um, us to be talking less about Star Wars and more about gaming on our next episodes. Uh, we're going to be doing a Game of the Year podcast here. Uh, maybe we'll have some of our fellow uh, people here with us as well. I know for certain me and Steve will be there. But other than that, um, if you have anything you want to talk about with us, you can follow us on Instagram. Again, our Instagram is nyecast. That's a quick way to find us. And, um, yeah, thanks so much for joining us for this episode. And uh, have a great rest of your day. Nice. Bye. All right. Peace. Bye-bye.